All right, here we are at Clock Tower Radio, clocktower.org. Uh, this is David Colosi, and I'm here with my friend and artist, Charlie Friedman. Uh, and we're going to talk about a lot of things that I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but uh, a lot of it's going to be about his artwork and humor and how that relates to it. And cool. maybe Lenny Bruce and Brian Eno, which are hovering behind us in these two records. <laughs> looking right at us. And what did you say before we started, Charlie, that those two... Well, I walked in here and I was thinking that a lot of what I do could be uh, uh, boiled down into uh, these two records. Uh, first edition uh, with Robert Fripp and uh, Brian Eno and a smattering of uh, post-punk legends and then Lenny Bruce at Carnegie Hall. I mean, all this stuff kind of sums up what I love yeah. uh, in art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Lenny Bruce, definitely, you know, uh, humor, but it's also, it's kind of uncomfortable humor sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even think he started, I think Lenny Bruce, I think he just started off as being a, uh, he was an MC at uh, at a strip club. Oh, really? And he was just the MC and he got it started and kind of got up there and he had to do a shtick and, and all of a sudden he just did his thing yeah. and it. They didn't. They were at first kind of one-liners, yeah, and then uh, you know classic kind of Borscht Belt humor, and then it just turned into something which was uniquely his own language. Yeah, uh, the sort of fill in between the dancers. Yeah, exactly. It was a fill in between the dancers, yeah. and he ended up being re- so good at it that the uh, they started wanting to see him instead of the dancers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming. They're putting dollars in his pants. Or yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I like that because uh, with Lenny Bruce, it's he invented his own language. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that. And uh, Brian Eno also invented his own language, too, which I uh, also admire about him yeah. as well. He kind of used the jumping off point uh, of Roxy Music, who I know you love, yeah. and uh, then started off in his own little, his own little uh, trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was first introduced to him through the the Bowie records that they collaborated on. Yeah. Um, and then through, you know, Robert Fripp and King Crimson and Roxy Music. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so what is it about Brian Eno that, that like, intrigues you? Because I think we've talked about this before, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's such an interesting musician and creator. Well, it goes back, I think, to uh, when I was in middle school— when they called it junior high, I got what really saved my life then was music, but not just any music. It was, it was punk and new wave. And, uh, when that, uh, got too overproduced or too angry, then that went to post-punk and all those, but all those, uh, I guess kids, all those musicians, they picked up drums. They picked up guitars. They, They weren't classically trained. And uh, some of them went to art school and some of them, but a lot of them, no one had lessons after school. Right. They just picked up guitars yeah. and they just said, oh, you can, you want to play drums? Then you're our drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I love that, I guess, DYI kind of ethos. And uh, Brian Eno loved utilizing that too. I know he didn't have any classically, I don't think he was classically trained. Yeah, I don't know. From I what know I know. History, really. Uh but I was given two albums by by Brian Eno uh, when I was in college, uh, Before and After Science and uh, Another Green World. Uh-huh. And uh, this woman just said, take these records, they're yours, and you're going to love them. And I didn't listen to them for years and years. Yeah. And I put them on one day, and I was just, just simply blown away. Yeah. You know, just, uh-huh. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say, I couldn't analyze. I just said, I was just simply blown away. Yeah. Because ever... Everything I had ever heard before that I realized was based on so much of what he had done. Uh-huh. But so he was he was the seed yeah. that all this other stuff had come from. So uh, I was like, oh, Remain in Light by the Talking Heads, a great album. Yeah. Wow. But it's really comes back to him. Right. I thought, <laughs> wow, first album by Devo. Yeah. He Are we not men? Everywhere. Yeah, he appears yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and in fact, there's this song called, um, what's it called? The King or something on um, 
Before and After Science, which sounds like Devo. Uh-huh. But he just did one Devo song and then that was it. Yeah. He's like, he planted a seed, <laughs> you know, he chewed on the olive pit and just spit it out in the dirt. And all of a sudden this olive tree yeah. grows. Yeah. And I just think that's, when I think of Brian, you know, that's, that's him. And then the other side of it is he's got a great melodic sense. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just, I, I, his songs are, are just beautifully crafted. Yeah. And was it you who were telling me about this, this sort of deck of cards or something that he made? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I forget the title it's, of... Oh, yeah. It's that. called uh, Oblique Strategies. Yeah, yeah. And he did this with um, one of his friends. I can't think what the guy's name is, Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Sorry, you out there. He, I know he did it uh, with David Bowie. He did it on the, the outside record. That's that's kind of what they used to sort of process that right. recording. Right. But yeah, of... he originally did it with someone else. We'll, we'll Google that later. Yeah, well, they did. They actually, him and his partner, and it's called Oblique Strategies, and it's a deck of cards, and you open up these cards, and it is exactly what it says. These yeah. are oblique strategies for um, getting through creative blocks, and they're they're gorgeous. And if you yeah. if you pick any of them, it's just, it's, it's, it's a great way to kind of think about stuff yeah about ideas yeah or to enter into ideas like triggers for they're triggers go. Yeah. yeah yeah they're total triggers yeah. like intuitive magic yeah right you know exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um so there are a couple of things you said one when you to sort of bring it to your artwork when you um said you listen to the brian eno records you sort of listened to them and you were like i, I can't explain it but it's just you know i get it that it's, it's mm-hmm. amazing and i think with you know, with your work and especially in its relation to humor, I think a lot of it sort of plays into that. You see it, you immediately sort of get it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. and you sort of don't want to necessarily explain it. It's like, you know, like a joke, you know, once you explain a joke, it sort of, sort of dies, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but like, well, right now you have the show at Art Oh My, um, that has a bunch of amazing work in it. And Science Project is this big um, spinning spinning unit like a mobile with inflated beach balls um and you see it and you just immediately fall in love with it it's colorful it's fun it spins um so i guess you know when you and i think this is kind of a consistency throughout your work the way you use humor is like it's not a it's not a one-liner it sort of has it has sustain you know um to the point where the person gets it it's not like they're finished with it once they get it it's like it kind of keeps spinning Mm -hmm. (laughs) keeps going um so i guess if you could maybe talk a little bit about um that relationship to humor about say the one-liner on the one hand and the other thing that just kind of whops you over the head and well i guess what i like about utilizing humor is that if it's done right, it's it resonates. It has a it hits kind of a a chord, a mm-hmm. populous chord, and that reverberation has the potential to go into um, our bodies, into our psyche, into the objects we are around. So the key is to kind of hit that right note mm-hmm. on the with the the tuning fork. Uh, humor has no material preference, mm-hmm. so yeah, you really true. can work in anything you you choose. Um, but humor is a very human thing; it doesn't rely on on one particular object, and, and that's what I, as an artist, I like that because I have the freedom to do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, I can stick to the now. Uh-huh. And I can stick to first person if I want. I can go into third person. Mm-hmm. It, it it's a convenient strategy to avoid uh, being too universal. Yeah. As long as I stick some of me in there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but humor also isn't necessarily funny either. Uh-huh. Uh, humor is is very. Uh, it can be very dark. Yeah. And it can uh, lance our boils. Yes, as it should. As it should, and which is what I would like for it to yes. do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not a big, f- as as artists, we, we are communicators, uh-huh. and uh, I want to communicate, but I don't want it to be this kind of essay yeah. that just like 
this is what it's about, punto. This is what it's about, boom. Yeah. And that's it. And you figure it out, and then you can easily chew on it. Yeah. I actually don't want something that you can easily chew. Yeah. That being said, I don't want to make something that um, is so, well, oblique that you can't get any way inside of it. Mm-hmm. So on that note, I want to make something that uh, opens up a very specific kind of chakras, mm-hmm. you know, in us. And yeah. that's my job. Yeah. Yeah. Um Um, does that make sense? It does. It does. That's, why I'm, that's why I'm like, ah, there's just nothing else to say. And that's the yeah. end of the interview. No, please. Jump. You're always welcome. I did a, um, this is Jake Nussbaum, by the way. Jake. Yeah. I, maybe you should repeat this question for the mic. But I did a laughing meditation once, and the Afraid. guy told me that even if I was fake laughing, that it was still like good for my... Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Is that how you, th- like, you think of your work that way too? No, because my, my work generally I don't think is – that's true. I do think that's true, and I think laughing is a whole different thing. A belly laugh and an optimism towards life um, is, is, is uh, great. And I think just to laugh, there's no doubt that it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, but this isn't – I don't think of my art as something like, don't worry, be happy. You right. know, like, just laugh it all off. <laughs> right, right. That is not what I – what I set out to do. So it's not that. Yeah. I mean, there's this whole, the laughing retreat and I have a, this whole collection of just laughter CDs, just like, like people who do that. It's like laughter yoga kind of thing or laughter meditation, but then also just laugh tracks, Yeah, you know, (laughs) just laugh tracks. And if you listen to them like back to back over and over, the yoga laughter things are just unbearable. Yeah. (laughs) You just cannot listen to these things. It's like, because you could tell people are forcing the laughter, their laugh. But then if they're in a group, because laughter is contagious, the other people start really laughing. Totally. And you sort of transform and you start really laughing again. Yeah. Actually, so. at, uh, there's this uh, Italian fluxus artist named Gino De Dominici's. Uh-huh. And he had a show um, at PS1. Is this the one you did the tour with? I did the tour. Okay, and yeah, at go. the end... <laughs> there's this bizarre laugh that makes me laugh just thinking yeah. about it. And you walk into this room and there's this laughter going on. There's this guy, he's just laughing. Yeah. And you're all sitting here and you're just, and at some point we all just started laughing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was effervescent, yeah. just like what you said. And it just all, we were all kind of nervous and then we were just kind of laughing and we just kind of let it all go. Yeah. And that is one great thing about laughter or humor is that it allows our defenses to go down. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. So, like, then let's go into someone like Richard Pryor. Uh-huh. So when Richard Pryor's talking and and he and he says the N-word, and you're like, <gasps> yeah. and you're like freaking out. Yeah. And he just continuously says that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you kind of you realize I me mean, he's talking about, you know white people yeah you know but he does it in a way that's totally like it's like it's on you it's on me but it's disarming yeah and so you chew this up so all of a sudden you're thinking about your own internal racism yeah and you're laughing yeah you're laughing at everything it's it's you eating the boil it's you eating (laughs) the boil (laughs) and that's what that's what humor can do yeah because it it enters into our bodies we own it first we feel it yeah. We feel this stuff, and then we have to think about it. Yeah. And there aren't too many things, um, there aren't too many ways that ideas can enter into us, mm-hmm. first as an emotional cue, and then as an analytical cue. Yeah. And that's that's the part that I like. So you get emotions first, mm-hmm. um, you get the feeling first, and then you have to think about it. Yeah. And... So I I love listening to comedy albums, yeah, like Lenny Bruce because of that, yeah, um, yeah, George Carlin, George Carlin, <laughs> Toledo Window Box, amazing, <laughs> you know, um, Louis C.K. phenomenal, yeah, yeah. Did you watch a lot of like Laurel and Hardy and yeah, W.C. Fields? I love Laurel up? and Hardy, yeah, Three Stooges, yeah. Uh, well, just those Marx Brothers, Marx Brothers, yeah. Marx Brothers. I 
I yeah, I heard stuff. My grandpa loved the Marx yeah, Brothers. Yeah, they were a little earlier, I think. Than yeah. Us. yeah, but I I've uh, yes, I love the Marx Brothers because yeah. uh, yeah. they they've got a great combination of of text and just slapstick shtick. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Laurel and Hardy are 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 wonderful too. Yeah, yeah. So the laughing piece, and I'm going to tie this into one of your pieces. Um, so you go into this laughing piece, you hear this, you're sort of disturbed by it, but eventually you're sort of transformed and you're sort of laughing too. So you did a piece called the one hour smile yeah, where you're just holding a smile in front of a video camera for an hour. Yeah. And it's kind of the reverse at first. It's kind of funny and fun, but then you're like, this is torture. <laughs> He's really <laughs> suffering here. Um, and I, you know, laughter, I think does that too. You sort of go into something with a certain expectation and then it sort of flips the expectation without you knowing it. Yes. Um, and it seems like that's kind of what's happening in the, the one hour smile. Um, I mean, how brutal was that? It's as brutal as you could ever imagine. <laughs> it was, and it's, yeah. it, it's, uh, it was, it was brutal because, well, I, I, when I thought about making it, I was, uh, I was at, uh, at this residency uh-huh. and, um, I was not having, it was very, we were always on all the time Yeah, and it was just nonstop on, on, on dealing with people, talking to people, yeah. trying to act a certain way. Right, you know? right. And I was just getting tired of it. And so this piece kind of came out of there, how we were all these young kind of budding artists, uh-huh. all all really sincerely, unsincerely wearing masks yeah, of, yeah. of, of what we were. Yeah. And so I, this piece was a response to that. I wanted to do, I didn't know how long I could get through. Mm-hmm. I liked, um, formally I liked one mm-hmm. because it was just one. Yeah. But one, and when you take, when you, one, when you attach it to our smile is mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. So there was just kind of a nice, yeah. a nice symmetry there. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, that I thought if I could do an hour, it could be something. Right. So, uh, I went into my studio and then just put the clock on my height camera and just started it. Yeah. And, uh, I got done with it. I took a look at the video and it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hour two. Right. Hour two. So, because it, and I, this is where the artist part took over. I was the the composition was all wrong. Mm-hmm. It was from my torso up to my head. Uh-huh. It was so it was a kind of a middle shot, medium shot, and it was natural light. And I wanted it to be harsh, unnatural light focused on my face. Right. So I went back that night and did it over again. I just knew that if I didn't do it, I would never do it again. Right. So it was the second smile I did that day. Yeah. After going through it once. And yeah. Already being- exactly. And I didn't really know what it was I didn't even think about it as art. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to. I just wanted to make it this thing. I yeah. thought, I'm just going to make this kind of thing. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we sort of make something and we're, or we just do something. Yeah. And it's like later you're like, huh, maybe I could bring that back around. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think some, and I think some of, and you can, you know, jump into this because yeah. I think we both are artists that love taking these kinds of aesthetic challenges, putting something out there, not sure where it's going to take, but we know that there it's an action we have to do. Yeah. And we're and art or not, it's just something mm-hmm. and that you embrace. And then someone maybe looks at it or you look at it a while later, maybe a year later and you think, Oh, maybe that was a new door I opened. Yeah. And okay, that's valid. And yeah. then you kind of jump back into that and realize that's that's a way of working. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's one way that I yeah, we definitely both work similarly where you um just kind of do something and then whatever. I'll think about that later. The other way is to actually actually try to do something, but then you make a mistake that is just the best possible mistake you could have ever made. Right. <laughs> it's like and that's like all right, the only way that could have happened was to go through this process and make this perfect mistake exactly the perfect mistake yeah. and embrace it yeah yeah and that and that's part of our job too to embrace these these mistakes yeah that uh when someone says well, anybody can do that right that that's that's that is that is the 
example of rejecting that. Right. Because no, you said nope. This is worth. This is worth taking out of the yeah. out of the heap of yeah. junk. And I think it's also like as you're working on something, and you you know when you're really fixed on okay, this is this project that I'm doing. It's going to be great. And then all of a sudden you make that mistake, and you're like, I was taking myself way too seriously. Yeah, way too seriously. Yeah. 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 So it just turns on you. It turns. And that's yeah. where art has everything to do with uh, a spiritual side, mm-hmm. a ritualistic side, in uh, honoring spontaneity, in mm-hmm. uh, honoring the um, the flip of something, the appreciation of, of everything. Yeah. And that's where they can kind of uh, bridge. Yeah. And that seems to be the, the core of, you know, humor or the comic when it works well. You're sort of going along with one thing and then all of a sudden it just flips over (laughs) yeah and you're surprised by it and other people are surprised by it and that's i mean so working that way kind of establishes this uh sensibility yeah to create humor or something like that um um, so I was going to ask you about this chance occurrence of your, your chest hair. Yes, Tell so you've, me. you've got it wound in an, into a nice uh, thing. Yes. I was wondering what you call that piece. This is my, <laughs> this is my chest curl, curl payas. <laughs> nice. Just one. It's like a eunuch. It's just, it's a eunuch. It's, it's, it's just one. A eunuch. You know, it's, it's a, your eunuch. Yeah. It's a reminder that, that I am yeah. a secular Jew, that if uh-huh. I was more religious, they'd be on the side and I'd right. curl them with my finger. But you just have one long one. It's going one long the floor, one. actually. One long one. I'm not even, it's funny that you mentioned, I'm not even aware of it. My daughter, she she uh, <clears throat> she sometimes tugs at it. But yeah. it's... Uh, well, it's tuggable. Cause, I mean, on the radio, they can't see this, but it actually goes from your <laughs> chest to the floor. It's really long. It's like a ponytail coming out of the center of your chest. <laughs> and uh, my face is turning beet red, too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> as they button it up to the top, <laughs> put on a bow tie. Yeah. Um, and you did do, a, what's the title of the photograph of you naked in the woods? Okay. The title of that is called um, Hasid in the Woods. Uh-huh. And it's me dressed up as a Hasidic Jew. Uh-huh. And I'm in the woods in Nebraska. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm holding a book over my crotch. Uh-huh. And that's that. That's that. yeah. And I'm wearing yeah. uh, like a like a Rebbe hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, your photographs too. I mean, yeah. You, you really have to go to Charlie's website, which is charliefriedman.com. Yeah, and I'll spell that out just because yes, it's C H A R L E Y F R I E D M A N dot com. So yeah, you can see a lot of the stuff we're talking about there. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, there's all sorts of things there. There's video, there's drawings, there's photographs. Um, I mean, things that we would use the word sculpture for, but that's kind of an old word. Um, but your photographs are kind of, they're super subtle. <laughs> I mean, there's this photograph of a dandelion. Then there's this photograph of a cow, kind of, you know, this face of a cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's these great pictures of your mother and your father. Um which uh, I don't know. I mean, that's the kind of thing you look at and you think as a viewer, you think, I mean, the Hasid in the woods was a different thing, but those ones you look at and you think um, he just took that photo and yeah. you know, it just, it just happened. Yeah. And it's like this gift. You know? <laughs> well, um, like, a, uh, what do you mean? Say more. Uh, it's like, I mean, sort of the way we were thinking about, um, you just do something and you're not quite sure, you know, if this is going to be an art thing or whatever, you just take the photo. Right. Um, and, and the gift part, what I mean is that you sometimes, you know, we, we labor over making art. I mean, I think you agree with that. We, you know, it's not an easy thing. We just sort of snap our fingers and, Hey, that's right. Uh, but we labor over it, but sometimes things just kind of come to us. Right. You know, that sort of Kublai Khan, you know, Coolidge. She, yeah. This poem came to him in a dream and he just right. wrote it out. Right. And an opium dream. Um, so that's what I mean by a gift. I mean, yeah. was like things like the dandelion photo or other things like that. Do you have those experiences where it's like, bam, this thing just hit me? Well, yeah. Yes. And no. yeah, I guess yes and no. I mean, I, I want it's it's interesting. I like it that you said gift because I want all the pieces to seem like gifts. Mm-hmm. These these little pleasures that you can open up and unpack. Yeah. And 
you don't, with any gift that you look forward to, you don't just, you can either rip off the wrapping paper, disregard mm-hmm. the invitation, the, the thank you or whatever they gave you and, yeah. and just go right for the guts. Yeah. But a great gift has a card that's, you really want to take your time opening. Yeah. You want to read what they have to say. You admire the wrapping paper. You unfold it. And then you slowly take it apart. And on the inside, maybe you have something that's nice, but the whole thing cumulatively mm-hmm. is does feel like a gift to you, to your person. Yeah. And that's... So I like to craft work that way. Pieces like... Well, all the photographs, but my dad, for example, it's called My Dad with His Shirt Off. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I wanted to make a piece that was about the relationship that two people can have with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of those relationships that most of us have is that complex relationship between a parent and a child and that negotiation that happens between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And that negotiation can be crystallized into something called love. Yeah. Uh, but that love is never an easy thing. Uh, it's easy, but it's not easy because you have, as you get older, you have different demands on each other. Mm-hmm. So the piece is about that dialogue between those two characters, which is a profound one. So uh, for this piece, I wanted to disarm my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh and you disarm him by being a son, by asking him to do something for you. Right. So my dad, who's a great guy, um, he wears a suit and tie every day. Uh-huh. And that's that's his uniform. Yeah. So I disarmed him by taking a photograph of him with his shirt off. Uh-huh. And that was a way of disarming him. The photograph, but then I had to set up the whole parameter to get him then to give the smile and everything else. So I asked my sister if I could paint her basement wall yellow. Uh-huh. And that was a whole thing. So I had to go out to the hardware store, yeah, yeah, pick yeah. out a yellow, yeah. uh, paint the wall, uh-huh. because I knew that would have a nice, rick- a nice kind of discord with his skin. And then I took the photograph with my sister and I. Uh-huh. So my sister was right there. So she was there too. Yeah. So it was a very intimate experience. Uh, the tough part was then saying, was putting that intimate experience out in the open uh-huh. because you're you're entering into a, a place that could be taken as many things. Uh-huh. It could be considered disarming or, or potentially uh, not appropriate. Uh-huh. But I want you to see the opposite. Yeah. You know, what would make this person do that feel so disarmed by doing that so comfortable doing that yeah um yeah i think a lot of great documentary filmmakers that's their gift they know how to you know they're they're looking to make a film to tell a story um and it's a story that they're very concerned with and they're concerned with the people that they're working with but they have a way to go into the situation and make the people comfortable enough to tell their story, to show a side of themselves that, right. you know, usually you'd have to go through these barriers with. Um, so, yeah, I think the way any, a lot of artists who work with their family, I've always wondered, yeah, because there's, there's this immediate thing, yeah, I'll do anything for you, but, but <laughs> I'm not going to do this. Right. You know? Yeah, and, and there's a whole performative thought thing yeah. to, to at least this kind of photography. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these sessions... I mean, this was a very long session with my dad. And yeah. I looked at the photographs afterwards, yeah. trying to figure out the one that I wanted just wasn't the one I want, ended up being the most appropriate one. Yeah. And the, the sessions with my mother, that was a, there were three different sessions for that, mm-hmm. for that one. Um, because that wasn't immediate. Yeah. And that was an accidental piece. Because uh-huh. uh, after I did my she father. She just happened to be wearing that sign. She had to, that I, said, Mom. I said, Mom, I know. Hey, Charlie, <laughs> what am I going to do with this thing? Hey, wait a second. <laughs> Let me take a picture. Let me take a picture of this. Don't take it off. Yeah. So that one, I, I took the photograph of my father. And then my, I was talking to my brother a while later. And he says, Well, you know, you should really do a photograph of, of, of Mom. Yeah. You know, because she's going to want one too. You just did Dad now. Yeah. I said, And I was like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm the <laughs> artist here. Art. <laughs> this is my art. I'm not taking a picture of you yeah, either. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Forget that. You know? 
And so then I'm like, I'm sleeping that night, and that's where the dream part comes in. I'm uh-huh. going to bed, and all of a sudden, I'm like, that's it. Yeah, I'll do this. And so, but then I had to go through the whole process of, and you'll appreciate this. Okay, so how am I going to do this? Yeah, I need the right font. Uh huh. You know, I need the right size. Yeah, I need the right place. So then I had to figure out all those things. Uh-huh. Uh and then so then blah 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 yeah. it came to this piece yeah yeah it's it's interesting to hear how much work went into those because uh yeah like I, as i started this i said you know they look like these gifts that just kind of came to you but yeah it's like no that the ones you thought were easy yeah <laughs> were really difficult were very difficult and it's usually the ones you think are hard or no that just just appeared and yeah <laughs> they're actually highly produced yeah little uh organisms yeah that are designed to be to feel like Ching-ching. Yeah. You know, the, the the one piece that is almost a kind of a one-off is the, the, the fall swastika in Cornish, New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. That's... Because that was there. That was there. Well, no, I made that. Oh, I made, made the swastika. Oh. I guess that's... I, <laughs> I did, I did <laughs> make the swastika. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't there. I did okay, make the swastika. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did make that. I was up at a friend's house uh, in Cornish, New Hampshire, uh-huh. and I decided to... Uh, make a piece about, uh, on one hand, about what is kind of skin deep below the surface of all of our histories. Mm-hmm. Not not to say that uh, Nazism is, you know, right. or, you know, bigotry or anything, but just like we all have these little things below us, uh-huh. uh, below the surface. And mm-hmm. this was tying it into culture and attitude. Mm-hmm. And I imagined this big house, a lot of these big houses these big houses, old houses, mm-hmm. often have photographs in the back hallway of what the house used to look like. Uh, you, know, we, you know, like a Model T out in front uh-huh. and small trees. Yeah. And that's kind of its history. So I was taking that history one one below that. Uh-huh. So uh, I was at a friend's house. I actually felt very out of place. Uh-huh. This uh, is where? Corn- Cornish, New Hampshire. Cornish, New Hampshire. Yeah. And they were very good friends of mine. They're still yeah. very good friends of mine. But I did feel out of place. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like I was with my people, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I decided to make this giant uh, fall leaf swastika. In their front lawn. In their front lawn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did it. Hey, thanks for dinner. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks for dinner, by the way. Here, this is for you. Here's your gift. Gotta... <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And, and they... Um, and they're they're great people, and uh, <laughs> they had a sense of humor. They had a sense of humor, and my, it's funny because my friend Matthew, <laughs> I woke up at seven in the morning. Uh, I knew I had to do it early in the morning uh-huh. to get the right light. I did it at seven in the morning. Woke up, I took the photograph with a thirty-five millimeter camera, uh-huh. and a lot of the other photographs, all the photographs were actually taken with a medium format, uh-huh. um, so I get a nice juicy yeah, yeah. neg. But this one, I kind of thought that. The, the low, just the basic photograph, because it was going to be small, would be more appropriate. Uh-huh. So I took the photograph, and he comes out, and he's like, Hi, Charlie! <laughs> and he's like, uh, well, we have some Orthodox friends showing up in about 15 minutes, so you better unrake that <laughs> they thing. They get it. <laughs> right now. Unrake that. Unrake oh, it was it. leaves? You raked It was leaves. leaves. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And the other part of that, the piece was then this idea of embracing a symbol that is so dark. Uh-huh. Embracing it. So you can own it, eat it, and then let it go. Yeah. And give it its original uh, symbolism again, which was not about Yeah, it was horror. like the sun wheel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like a Sanskrit symbol. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was actually a beautiful symbol that was changed yeah. and modified. So this is, this is changing it once again. Yeah. Uh, dethawing the ice back into, uh, you know, tepid water. Yeah. I mean, do you think anybody who would have seen that would have thought that they would have been like you yeah what the hell's going on in that house probably <laughs> yeah. probably well yeah. and uh the other thing that i thought was kind of interesting is that if there would have been a a uh well like let's say like now if to do a piece like that yeah. if i were to leave that up there's a good yeah. chance that google I, I could get on google maps right and that yeah. would be that would be a, the snapshot of that house right which would actually be really cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah <Why>? but <laughs> you put it out there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, between that and the Hasid in the woods, you've got these two different references to that sort of 
that sort of Jewish history. Yeah. Um, in, nature. I guess, the what? Nature. Yeah. Yeah. Nature. They're both out in nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess that photograph was like a temporary. It was just, it was long enough for the shot. The shot is permanent, but the, the leaves are yeah. gone now. The leaves yeah. are gone. Yeah. And that was almost a piece, uh, another uh, example of a personal piece potentially for my closet. Yeah. You don't, you don't know. Yeah. Because it didn't fit in. It didn't, it was actually a lot darker than something I had ever done before. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know where it went. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even sure if it could or were, would work in a show. Yeah. But I eventually thought, yeah, this is definitely something that's worth putting in. But I got a lot of, I did get some flack for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you find that you kind of understand things progressively? I mean, you live with them and then eventually totally. it's like, <laughs> totally <laughs> just keeps growing and yeah. growing and growing. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you don't know quite what something is going to be. You can kind of plan it. You think about it. You understand an attitude. But you ultimately know that the piece is going to be what it needs to be. Yeah. And then it's my choice whether or not to to let people see it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, there's only so much control I can have in any one thing. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's like, that's like a drawing. Yeah. It's like when your teacher says, no, just let it out. Just draw it. Right. You know, oh, it's not straight. That's okay. It's the yeah. beauty of that. I mean, that's. It's the wow, beauty you had a of that good line. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, make that line straight. I mean, my teachers were like, make that line straight. Why are you making it crooked? Make it, yeah. It's like <laughs> but any of the, anything that you can extract, anything that we do can be brought back down to that that gesture, that line, yeah. and to appreciate that that line, that 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 nuance of that yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like that piece kind of brings us back to Lenny Bruce a bit, who is mm-hmm. very political in his humor. Yeah, and it was offsetting, offputting, but it was funny. And you sort of Richard Pryor too. You sort of keep, you're just you're eating the boil. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you're lancing your own boils. Yeah, somehow. yeah, totally. I'd love if I could do um, a stand-up shtick. I would. Yeah. Uh, well, you kind of have. I mean, Betsy Geffen is sort of a stand-up shtick. She is. The kind Adenoid of... has a bit of a. This is yeah. Charlie's performance. Yeah. Alter ego characters, which yeah. there are a few of. Yeah, and yeah. we have to do. We actually have to do a collaborative. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Like we've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I I do like that that um, aspect of getting up. Having a loose plan about what you're going to do, uh-huh. but letting it all just kind of go for it and yeah. let it all happen. Yeah, and that's how the performances are designed. Yeah. So I'll do a I'll do a, a run through of the performance. I'll memorize key uh, features of it, uh-huh. but then really just wing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think when I do performances too, it's like I have a basic structure on how I'm going to go. And even the timing is sort of established by, well, this song is two minutes and 41 seconds. So this sequence is going to happen in that time. And then that break happens in the next one. Um, So, yeah, it's like it's planned, but then it's mostly improvised based on that plan. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we were doing the, uh, the performance at NYU. Yeah. In the windows. windows. You gave me a very loose script to follow. Yeah. And then at certain points, if something happened, I would kind of alter things. Yeah. And that's how it went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were going between the windows. Yeah. <laughs> you had makeup all over your face. <laughs> it was great. And you just let me be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew I knew you were the right person for the job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the yeah. right ham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I was just going to say, uh, just remind people around clocktower.org. Uh, talking with Charlie Friedman. And the reason I remembered where we are right now, because I usually forget where we are during these conversations, was because I think on Clock Tower, there's a, you did a Betsy Geffen 
radio. You I appeared did. as Betsy Geffen. I did. Yeah. I did. I, uh, it was, I forgot what year it was, like uh-huh. 2009. Yeah. And it was down in Miami and they, uh, they had the radio show going on. Yeah. And, um, it was Alana Heist's sister. Mm-hmm. I forgot her name. But she has a sister. She, was this through Gallery Diet? or It was, no, it was through just Clock Tower Radio. In Miami. Somehow. In Miami. They had yeah. like a, Before my time, but I could probably I could look it up. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's in there in the archives. I have it on my website. I have it linked to your website. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I did uh, an interview where I went between Charlie Friedman, the adenoid, mm-hmm. and Betsy Geffen. Yeah. And that was... You were just flipping characters. I was flipping characters. Kind of like, uh, yeah, I guess Jimmy Fallon does something where he's like, he does a radio show where he's like multiple characters, but he's based on, he's basing his bit on someone who really did that. Hey, the man in the box. I yeah, think that's yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon's thing, yeah. Yeah, so I would so. I would be like uh, the adenoid. So the adenoid character sounds a little bit like, hey, he talks a little bit like this. <laughs> it's very much in the, in the neck somewhere. Right. And he talks, and it kind of hurts. Yeah. And then Betsy, Betsy Geffen talks like me, but maybe just a little bit faster. Right. Uh, not yeah. campy. Right. Uh, not in drag, but just a little bit faster. Yeah. You are uh, dressed in drag, but the voice is not in drag. Yeah, I'm dressed. I mean, you're dressed I'm, as. I'm dressed in drag, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sexy. Yeah. Um, at all. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's. I mean, I think there's when you do the Betsy Geffen thing, it sounded like what you kind of what you're going for is like you you said you gave a you know this tour of PS One of this Italian artist you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> and so you're delivering this lecture as Betsy Geffen, and then I think somewhere along the way someone asked you something about the work, yeah. and you were like, you know, in retrospect, you were like, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted them to forget that I was. Charlie Friedman in a dress being Betsy Geffen. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I wanted there to be like the elephant in the room is this, is me dressed as, as, as this, as this woman. Yeah. But I want the performance with Betsy Geffen to be so exactly what her function is supposed to be Uh that you forget that. Yeah. So I really tried to give a very thoughtful presentation of this artist yeah and when i first started everybody kind of wanted to you know like nudge nudge wink giggle, wink, yeah, giggle yeah. a little bit yeah. you know and i was like okay good and that's fine with me yeah. it's my job then to really show how complex and wonderful this artist is who i'm talking about yeah. so when this guy asked me a question i thought uh, is he going to ask me about me or something? Yeah. Is this real or something? Yeah. And no, he actually had a really good question about Gino. Yeah, about <laughs> I was like work. about the work, yeah. and I was like, great. <laughs> so I had to explain it. Yeah, like a teacher. Yeah, like a docent. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a very. It was a good lesson for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. So we'll make a quick jump to uh, Squirrel Gang. Squirrel Gang, let's do it. So so Art Omai is where you have your show right now. It's a solo show in the gallery, and there's a a sculpture out in the yard that'll be a permanent sculpture. Yes. When when does the show end again? July 24th. July 24th. So depending on when this airs, it might still be up. Yeah, and this weekend, well, it'll be if it airs, it'll probably air after this weekend, but this weekend, July 10th, is the big 25th anniversary of Art Omai, so it's a big... Bruhaha. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what will still be there is the Squirrel Gang, which uh, is a gang of squirrels. It's a gang brown of squirrels. squirrels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, when I saw it, what I thought was really great about it, um, you know, many things. But one thing was, you go to that sculpture park, and it's big steel sculpture, and these sort of a lot of space around these big steel I beam sculptures and stuff. But then you see yours, and it's these little squirrels to scale. You know, they're not bigger than squirrels. They're not smaller than squirrels. They're just little brown squirrels. There's maybe 30 of them. 70. Seven, sorry. I guess there's 70 it of them. It doesn't seem like they're a lot. It doesn't seem I like agree. a lot. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But then they're scattered in the gallery. They're scattered in the bathrooms. They're outside. Yeah. Um, but they're all carrying, like, carrots and flowers, <laughs> and they're really, really cute. 
so different from these other big sculptures out in the yard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Go, please. Oh, well, that's what I wanted. Yeah. So when, when, when I, when I, um, decided I was going to, I wanted to do something outside uh-huh. and we discussed it and I said, I want to make something antithetical to the big macho art uh-huh. that is outside, uh, very minimal, um, that takes up a lot of volume uh-huh. and that's what, you know, big outdoor sculpture does. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it takes up space. Yeah. So I wanted to make something that was not macho, something that was actually textured, uh-huh. uh, almost like a mirage close to the ground and very unthreatening. Yeah. And squirrels are so unthreatening. Yeah. They are benign. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, until you get a lot of them. Yeah. And so there was there's a definite play between these things that are, are adorable and cute and live everywhere around us. Yeah. But if you if you think of all of the squirrels that really exist in our civilization, it's I don't know it could be as many as as us. I don't There's know. A lot of squirrels There's there. a lot of biomass yeah. there of, of squirrel muscle. Yeah. So <laughs> so I like the idea that there is this society. I'll call it a society. Yeah. Uh, this kind of civilization, the squirrel civilization that lives everywhere that we do. Yeah. Is kind of dependent on us but not really but it works they live they really coexist with us yeah, quite yeah, well symbiotic, yeah. they're very symbiotic yeah. but they really don't care about us yeah they're like whatever they kind of taunt us a little bit yeah. uh they eat our vegetables but they mind their own business yeah uh so that's the kind of the genesis of that whole attitude towards yeah. that piece so so these are more of uh maybe you're in the forest and this is the thing that you don't see quite, uh-huh. you know, they're on a kind of a mission Yeah, and they have, they have some of their acorns cause squirrels have to have some acorns, yeah, yeah. but they also have a flower. Yeah. The flower, what's the flower for? Is the flower, <laughs> uh, an homage to their God? Right. Is it just they're picking daisies? Cause that's yeah. what they want to do. Decoration for their nest. Exactly. You know? Decoration for their <laughs> nest. But then you have the carrots, uh-huh. which are definitely from like a human garden. Uh-huh. So it's all those things mixed up together. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and I when I first saw the show, I, I mentioned the squirrel migrations. Yes, like how, yeah. I mean, they actually apparently squirrels migrate in packs and have swum across the the East River onto Governor's Island. Yeah, like looking for nuts on Governor's Island. Yeah, <laughs> and the the Michigan River, they swim in packs. So it's like, um, I mean, squirrels actually do do that. You usually see like one here, one there, frolicking around, but you know, for whatever reason in nature's they do sort of form packs and yeah. migrate and when i was on governor's island uh my friend Catherine mcleod did this whole piece on squirrel migrations and um so that's how i learned about it so i have to give her credit for discovering that <laughs> and the park ranger told her about it but um um but yeah this whole civilization of you know animals and grouping together it's they do it we don't really see it that often yeah but they do it they do it and they've got <laughs> yeah. Squirrels are animals. They have, they have emotions. They yeah. have, they have, they think about companionship. Yeah. They know who we are. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're kind of disarming, but it, it, a lot of this goes back into other pieces that I have. Uh, and how do you make something that is disarming, uh-huh. that is inviting, something that you, you want to discover and go into? as an as as uh, an aesthetic reach uh-huh. to pull you in a, a kind of shaking your hand yeah so how do you do that uh so the way that works is a very similar way that um my parents photographs work uh-huh. as um the the spinning the science project works uh-huh. uh or even chassid in the wood the way that works it all as a way of kind of like shaking your hand dragging you in and then kind of and then you know Turning you upside and taking yeah. your money, you know, it, it's yeah. a it's a little bit up, it's a little yeah, bit of yeah. of then dragging you into that, yeah, um, yeah, kind of way of thinking, yeah, yeah. The one hour smile is now um, a life piece, uh-huh. and I would wanted to make a piece that would last my whole life mm-hmm. in some way that would be predicated on time. So uh, a couple years after, and I thought about this after I did the one hour smile a couple of years, so. I decided that I would redo the one hour smile every 10 years. Oh, really? So uh, in 2000 and 
I did the first one in 1995, mm-hmm. and I did the second one then uh, in 2005. Mm-hmm. And then I just did one recently in 15. In 15. Yeah. And after the third one, I thought I could now show them as a unit together. Three-hour smile. <laughs> yeah. So I showed them all together, uh, and uh, they're all. each one is done the, exactly the same way. Yeah. But they show my age, how my age uh-huh. changes, how my... Uh, facial demeanor changes based on my uh, my life experience. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how many I will get out of this. I'm hoping I get at least seven. Uh-huh. I've been thinking if I stay healthy, yeah, I might be lucky enough to get seven of these things They're every ten years. Yeah, but right. I but it's weird. Like I'm not yeah. going to get ten. Right. Yeah. Like I know I'm not going to get ten. Yeah, yeah. If I'm lucky, I'll get eight or seven. Right. Uh, and so forth. Yeah. So yeah. I want to show all these someday together. Yeah. And I cannot, it sucks because I have to wait until I get to that age. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, before before I came here today, I, I watched um, Four Trek Memory, that yeah. video. Yeah, yeah. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, because each one, you have a, a little, one you have glasses on, one you have a little bit of, you know, facial hair. You know, so each one's a little different and you're, you're singing Sergeant Pepper's like the entire album and also kind of beatboxing yeah. and making these things. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, all right, that could be interesting if he did like one of the, it's four squares, four videos, or if you did one like now, <laughs> yeah. there are different times in your life where you're still doing the same thing, but it's like, you know, 30 years later. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, that's the way I made it. Oh, really? I actually made the piece. Yeah. Uh, with years between each one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was like a four-year piece oh. to make because I wanted the Beatles. They changed their costumes. They changed through their costumes, through their clothing uh-huh. and their facial hair. Yeah. And I didn't want to wear a costume. Because yeah. I thought that would be too schmaltzy. Yeah. So um, I wanted it to always be me. Uh-huh. But I didn't want it to be the same me. Yeah. So I, I thought that I had to wait time between each take. So I would be kind of a different Charlie, uh-huh. have a different attitude, yeah. slightly different facial hair, you know, maybe different color skin based on the seasons and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So between between each one is, 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 is a period of time. Yeah. And I also, that was the only way I could think of how to make it fresh mm-hmm. to kind of forget it again. Yeah. Uh, to say, okay, now it's fresh again. I'm ready to do it again. Yeah. And I'll have some energy. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the second. You did two pieces with Sergeant Peppers. One was Walking Through the Woods Backwards, air guitaring. Yeah. Sergeant yeah. Peppers, <laughs> which I love that piece, too. It's just like, what the hell? It's one of those ideas where you're just like, that's a good idea. <laughs> you know? It's like, why not? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, I... That was a funny piece to make. Makes perfect, <laughs> makes perfect sense. It makes yeah. It's intuitive magic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to learn more about intuitive magic yeah, now. Yeah. I just like the name. Yeah, yeah. Intuitive well, was, magic. Yeah, it was a class I took here at Pioneer Works with Genesis Briar Peorge. It was it was kind of based on just intuitive magic and, um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but when you, it's I love when a great you say, name. It's just based on intuitive magic. Yeah. But what's that based on? <laughs> it's, it's kind of, yeah, you just kind of drop these things and it's like, all right, think yeah. about that, Colonel. Think about that, Colonel. Boom. Take that with you. Yeah. Yeah. Take and it, that. that's what in, I think intrigued us about the show. I mean, about the class, too. It was just like, okay, that sounds like something I need to know. Right. Yeah. Right. Let, let's figure that one out. Yeah. 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 So... I just have a list of your titles here, of, and each one is a trigger to talk about another work. I mean, the <clears throat> would you say there's would you say there's one piece that you get more attention for, for whatever reason? Mm. I mean, I, I think about my work, and I'm thinking everyone seems to like that one, but it's like huh? right, right. Well, you know. um, I guess the the Chuck Close piece, the yeah. me imitating big self portrait, yeah. Is uh, kind of iconic. It's a kind of iconic because yeah. that is an iconic painting. Yeah. Um, but and the, it's iconic for your sense of humor too. Yeah. Right? Sort of putting is. yourself it, in it. Yeah, right. I put myself. It's poppy. Yeah. Um, but the the piece that I go back to 
the kind of Rosetta Stone uh-huh. of my work, which actually almost I don't think anybody's seen, yeah. is the, um, as you have it written down here, is the cake box. Uh-huh. And that's the yeah. piece that really, for me, started a lot of yeah. thinking about how to think about making. Yeah. And that's, I'm, I'm uh, in a box that is three by three, three feet by three feet uh-huh. by uh, five and a half feet. And I'm in this box and it's made out of wafer board and it's hanging from the ceiling and uh, there's a small stair uh-huh. under it and a little t- yellow t-shirt that you stick your head into. And when you see the piece, you might just see a minimalist like art crate hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. You know, very pretentious, uh-huh. you know, dude. And then, <laughs> or you might see somebody sticking their head into this box. Yeah. What's if that you, ladder for? Exactly. And if you stick the head into the box, people scream they jerk their body they stay in there a long time Mm -hmm. they convulse they do whatever and they take their head out and then they leave yeah so it's very two different aspects so if you decide to stick your head into this box uh you are in a an environment that feels like the studio it's like 15 to 20 degrees warmer than the outside environment and it smells a little sweaty and a little sweet Uh, (laughs) and uh but it's dark Mm -hmm. And when I decide the time is right, I turn on a 30-watt yellow bug light. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there on my hands and knees. I'm not naked, mm-hmm. um, but I'm sitting there on my hands and knees. And I'm there's a, a black forest cake right next to your head. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm sticking my head into this cake, and I'm slowly eating this. <laughs> and I'll never smile, and I'll never talk. Those are the laws. Uh-huh. But if you want, I'll offer you some cake with uh-huh. a hand gesture. Yeah. And then you can eat the cake off of my hands. Yeah. And there were so many things wrapped up in that. And I was just in there all day. Yeah. The piece was on. The lights was on when I was in that box. Yeah. And so it was, in a, it was a performative piece, but I just thought of it as a sculpture yeah. that needed me to be in there. Yeah. And it's never been... I've always wanted it to be in a show of all my work, uh-huh. uh, but I've only shown it a couple times. I showed it at the residency that I made it at, and I showed it at, at, at uh, Exit Art. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've only shown it that time. But that, that, the attitude, the slight performative aspects, yeah. uh, the psychological demeanor of the piece, um, the performative qualities, yeah. uh, intimacy versus a power structure, all those things were wrapped up in that. Yeah. And I like going back to that. It was also kind of funny. It was yeah. kind of off-putting uh, because it was just a black forest cake. Yeah. And it was just me. Yeah. Um, but then there's this intimacy of someone puts their head in the box and you're right there yeah. with this cake. Yeah. And it's like, what do we do now? What do we do now? <laughs> and it's it's wide open. You can do anything. You can do anything yeah. with it. And there was also discovery there. So yeah. I also, it was, I liked how the person inside, the person who stuck their head was a part of this art object. Uh-huh. And then outside was like the audience yeah but it was really a different piece for the people outside experiencing it yeah but ultimately it was a gesture that was happening in this person's head uh-huh. it wasn't their whole body was feeling it yeah but it was really just happening to that head yeah. so it was this detachment between what we like to think is this mind body right right duality shift yeah but it was just all the same stew yeah to me yeah and it's like because the head, the body is outside the box and the head is inside the box, you see the body, but you don't see the head. So whatever happens in the box stays in the box. Exactly. It's like Las Vegas. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Whatever occurs in that box stays there. Stays there. <laughs> exactly. Stays in that in building. In their head and your head. It leaves in their head and your head. But Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's the piece that I, I think a lot about when I, yeah. when, I, when I think about my work over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe it connects. I'm, I may keep staring at Lenny Bruce and Brian Eno there. So maybe there's something about that that sort of brings it all together in that piece. Sort of this awkward intimacy. Yeah. And, and <laughs> an awkward intimacy. At the same time and sweet smelling and yeah. sweaty too. <laughs> yeah. Sweaty. Yeah. It's an awkward intimacy. It's yeah. an uncomfortable intimacy. And it's based on oblique. What, what did you call it? An oblique strategy. Oblique strategies. Yeah. Like whatever happens in the box happens in the box. happens in the box yeah and but and there was just enough to do the piece just enough wood just enough time yeah me the right cake yeah i knew i couldn't use it was a little bit like an equation i knew i couldn't use like raw liver right 
because yeah, that would yeah, be just gross. Different thing, yeah. I needed to use or uh, like oysters, which like, would be like super, super sexual. Exactly, or you know. Exactly. So there's certain foods you could choose. Something off putting. Yeah. And then there's the experiential part, which is everybody really had a different experience in that thing, uh-huh. and uh, but it was not documented. It was not videotaped, uh-huh. and. We love to videotape things so we can go back and check it out. Yeah. Everything is recorded, but this was not recorded at all. Yeah. It was I, a private moment. Yeah. Do you think that's why one of the reasons why uh, you find yourself so interested in it? Because um, sometimes there's those things that you do that just sort of disappear because they weren't documented, and you're like, that was a really good piece, yeah, know. you know? It got away from the public, but it's still, like, inside of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, what's the question? Uh, if uh, if part of your attraction to that piece is because there is no documentation of it, and you know, you know in your history and in your mind how uh, successful, how exceptional it was, but it's... But you can't really share it with anyone except through this, through describing it and telling about it, which is another way of documentation, just storytelling, which takes a life of its own. And sometimes that's the best way to go with these pieces. (laughs) It is the best way to go. Yeah. I never regretted not documenting it because I knew that would be, that would, that would also use an audience uh, taking advantage. Yeah. And that goes against a kind of part of the creed. Yeah, it would bring the audience inside the box. Basically. Yeah, and that's not very nice. And it's not intimate anymore. It's not yeah. intimate, and it's it's then saying, "Ha ha, something's happening in here." Yeah, and you don't know, and you're going to be disarmed. Yeah, but it's also going to be on YouTube. Yeah, this is this will be recorded later, so everyone can see it. Yeah, so it's it. Yeah, it would remove that whole intimacy. Yeah, yeah, and I guess at at maybe, uh, I guess lastly, because uh, I know we're probably. Getting yeah. close. Yeah. It's it's a respect for the viewer who I like to think of as a participant. Mm-hmm. And that is a very that is I take that very seriously. How do you respect not in I know people throw away I don't want to be like mindful, yeah. you know. That's an, a nicely overused term. Yeah. But how do you respect that there is this there are gonna be these people who go up and and, and eat this stuff? Mm-hmm. And how do you respect that? Yeah. The energy that they put into to, to looking at something yeah. and respecting that. And to to videotape that would have been a violation mm-hmm. of that code. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you said it really well earlier when you said you're, you're giving your audience a gift. Mm. And it's like you want them to receive it as a gift. And if there's this other camera, it's like, well, it's really for you, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> yeah, you know? later on. Yeah. I'm going to sell that. Yeah, you're right, it, you know? exactly. I'm going to sell your, your reaction. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's an Echevier. <clears throat> yeah, so it's really an exceptional use of that gift, you know, or not a use of it, but a demonstration of how you conceive of your work as a gift for the viewer. And in that case, it was a one-on-one, a one-on-one <clears throat> thing. thing. Yeah, yeah a one-on-one thing. And uh, yeah. I'd like to do it again someday. I, I even yeah. know that if I do it, that will be different. Yeah. Because this is, yeah. that's 1995. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've traveled from 2016 to 1990. I don't know how far we went back. Oh, that was 1995. Work. That was 95. That was 95. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Been a great trip. Oh, uh, David, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we could go on thank for you. a couple more hours as we usually do. Yeah. Anyway, off mic. It might be off um, mic tonight. But before we leave, one, I just, you know, we're on Clock Tower Radio, clocktower.org, and uh, charliefriedman.com. Go there and spell it again C H A R L E Y Friedman, F R I E D M A N dot. Com. charliefriedman.com now do it as the adenoid and then we'll fade out <laughs> okay so you can go to uh, Charlie's got a website and it's called charliefriedman.com I'm on there too he saves horrible photographs for me it's charliefriedman.com that's www dot c h a r L E Y F R I E D M A N dot C O M. You'll also find Betsy Geffen on there 
And also the Adenoids. Adenoid.